The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and thank you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us. As usual, we're going to have a wonderful program with a great guest, and um, I'm very glad that you're on board with us here today. And also, thank you so much for liking on Facebook, for going to that Spirit of Recovery page and liking us, and also thank you for your emails. I love getting those and hearing um, how things are going for you in your spiritual walk and in your recovery journey, and uh, it's just great to hear from you. And I want to thank you also for sharing about the spirit of recovery to with those um, in your recovery circles, in your spirituality circles, in your unity uh, church circles, and for letting them know that we're here on the air at Unity Online Radio. It's wonderful to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery and spirituality here on Unity Online Radio. And you know you can listen to us in multiple ways. You can listen live um, and you can listen through your computer, through your smartphone, and uh, you can listen to the archives on demand. So uh, there are lots of ways to hear the great guests, the great programs that we have here on the Spirit of Recovery. Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community. We talk about spirituality and recovery with guests that are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And they bring insights and practical information. They bring you inspiration that you can use and we have lively discussions that get you thinking. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, that I understand that recovery and spirituality are large concepts, and so we do explore those, and uh, I want you to know that everybody's welcome here, that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member, or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that has the disease of addiction, uh, whether or not you are in recovery, um, yourself as a family member or if you're just curious, you just want more information about recovery, about spirituality, you are welcome here. And we welcome you to participate in our discussions. If you want to send us an email with a comment or a question or phone in with a comment or a question for our guest, I'm very happy for you to do that. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I am your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction, and those relationships uh, propelled me into my own engagement with the 12 Steps um, from that side of this situation. And it's been a wonderful path of growth for me for over 30 years. And my spiritual walk is an integration of the recovery principles and the unity principles, which are not the same, but they're complementary for me and congruent. And those are really helpful to me and they keep richly transforming my life and they keep me growing in ever deeper ways. 
So again, I'm just delighted. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you, to bring you great guests, and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and your recovery walk. Today, our topic is looking for God, embrace your humanness. You know, a lot of, I, we spend a lot of time, I do anyway, maybe I'll speak for myself, kind of wondering, well, where's God, you know, and, and exploring that concept. And uh, in the end, what I always find out is that God's in the very midst of my life. And uh, the recovery process really invites us to get real. And uh, spirituality invites us for that same thing. It invites us to learn to love ourselves even in the midst of the most messy, painful, and confusing experiences of our lives. But sometimes along the way, we may have gotten the impression that spirituality is about pretending to be perfect or to pretend to be too spiritual to hurt. So we're going to be exploring those ideas today about what is that uh, interface between our humanness and our spirituality, and are they really different? We're going to talk about that today. My guest is Greg Barrett. Greg is going to be sharing um, about his experiences, his thoughts, his ideas about this topic. Uh, Greg's been my guest before here on Spirit of Recovery, and um, I know that he, the listeners really enjoyed what he had to say, so he's back to share some more with us. Greg's been active in ministry, in unity, and in leadership in the unity movement for many years. He uh, became an ordained unity minister in 1980, and he is uh, one of those rare people who was actually raised in unity, so he has a lot of experience with these unity principles. Greg's on the board of the New Thought Alliance. He's in Who's Who in American Religion, and he is the author of several CDs. One is Breaking Free from Unhealthy Relationship Patterns. Another is The Gift of Healing, The Gift of Sleeping. Another one is The Tao of Unity. He is um, actually the best-selling media author of um, Unity, and so he uh, his CDs are very popular and very helpful with people. He has been involved with uh, the International Youth of Unity for many years, and um, he has been the president of four Unity regions and is regularly published in Unity magazine. And besides that, he's a a very thoughtful uh, person, a wonderful minister, and he has a lot to share because he does participate in life and um, really learns and thinks about what it's all about and shares that with others. So, Greg, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. It's always wonderful to connect with you. You are um, you are really a beacon of light, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about looking for God, embrace your humanness. So where is God? little question here at the beginning. Where is God? Wow. <laughs> well, again, I can handle, gee. Okay. <laughs> no, what, what is God? Okay, now what is God? I mean, that was yeah. the question. What is God? Mm-hmm. And um, God is always more and greater and different than we think God is. So the answer of where God is, is infinite. And so... Um, the old, you know, and this is traditional in Christianity, God is both imminent and transcendent, meaning God is both within us and higher power or beyond us. And the uh, thing we're really talking about today really finds its crux in this question. Is God imminent or is God transcendent? And the answer is, of course, both. God is within us and God is also our higher power, and if we shortchange one for the other, either way, we're missing out on the equation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes um, I know I have heard uh, people uh, say that, um, you know, like it, they sometimes they think, well, is that a conflict between what unity teaches, which is um, God is within us, and higher power? In fact, I'll briefly share a little personal uh, story, is when I was in ministerial school, uh, and uh, the one of the questions they asked me uh, in my uh, review process was, if you are involved in the 12-step program, is it correct um, spiritually to say 
Um, I pr- pr- let me preface this with saying I do not have the disease of alcoholism, but as people may know, that in um, some twel- in the twelve step program, that people might say I am so and so and I am an alcoholic. But anyway, they were posing the the theoretical question to me: Is it correct spiritually for a person to say I'm so and so and I'm an alcoholic? And I did wow. answer that. So, what so did, what did what you answer, saying? and how did it turn out for you? Well, they ordained me. <laughs> <laughs> what, was your what I what I said was yes, absolutely. Because what that person is doing is they're talking about what's factual for them, what's a factual experience of their expression, and um, and that is paradoxical. It's not contradictory to also saying I am an expression of God. That I have to know both of those things in order to be a healthy spiritual being. And they laughed and said, "Right on." So that's what oh, the, what happened. Damn. You yeah. had a good committee, because I'm sure that there are people who might feel differently, but what you're talking about is the spiritual paradox of God being both imminent and transcendent, um, and it's important to also acknowledge our um, deficiencies and conditions, as well as understand the transformational power. So what we're talking about today is um, doing the work of transformation and spirituality simultaneously uh, doing the work of uh, recovery and psychological healing. And one does not preclude the other. And one of the problems we have, I think, in new age, new thought, and unity is uh, often people think they can take a spiritual shortcut to a psychological issue. But uh, that's not what our founders uh, in unity taught, and it does not work demonstrably, and it is not part of the, the the task of recovery to give you an easier, softer way or a way that doesn't um, require that you have to go through the, uh, the process of transformation step-by-step uh, step and day-by-day. Mm-hmm. Could you explain for us... Um you brought up a really interesting point that the founders of Unity, who happened to be Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, um, back in the 18, late 1800s, you said that they didn't uh, go along with this idea that you could skip over um, your psychology. Obviously, they were in the Victorian period, so they had a little different sort of cultural background than we might today. But um, how does that work? How do you think they saw this idea of dealing with the humanness of ourselves and our psychological situations. My favorite place to look is uh, Myrtle Fillmore's Healing Letters and Myrtle Fillmore's other book compiled from her letters called How to Let God Help You. You know, she didn't um, write a book per se, but in in those two books, which are compiled from writings that mostly came from the very end of her physical life, she talks about facing situations, getting real, and embracing your humanness while you're transcending and uh, healing those conditions. And she was, uh, she was very down to earth. Charles Fillmore sometimes being more of a metaphysician than a mystic at times would, um, would uh, intellectualize things a bit. So sometimes it's hard to catch that as much in his writings. But in Myrtle's writings, again, she was very practical, very down to earth, and uh, told people to, she said, she said once, and I'm paraphrasing her here, we don't tell you to deny your problems. You need to deny that they have power over you, but do not deny your problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Correct. Could you, yeah. Could you give us an example of like what that what the difference would be between somebody denying a problem and denying that the problem has power over them? Well, denying the problem is, you know, the old. Gosh, this is a terrible joke, but the old Unity Minister joke. Um, you know, how many unity ministers does it take to change a light bulb? How many? That, that light bulb isn't burned out. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Uh-huh. Actually, I uh-huh. made it up. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> and uh-huh. the other one is how many unity ministers who've been out in the field 10 years does it take to change a light bulb? How many? Um, what light bulb? And then mm-hmm. how many unity ministers have been out in the field for 34 years like me does it take to change a light bulb? What was the question? You go into denial so much that you don't recognize what's going on and you skew reality so that you can't function. And that's um, denying the existence of the problem. But Myrtle Fillmore said that you have to 
not deny the problem, but deny that it ultimately has power over you. Like ultimately, the person who's in recovery is saying that the substance or condition is not going to determine or define them and does not determine or define them, even though they do, in fact, have that condition. And um, otherwise, recovery would not be possible. Mm -hmm. When you're saying that, that reminds me of the first step of the 12 steps, the concept of powerlessness, which, again, people can have a lot of different sort of views about. How would you view that concept of powerlessness in the 12 steps as it's related to unity concepts? Well, we, I think we can go to our other um, early unity writer who really wrote unity's uh, textbook beyond the Bible, which was Lessons in Truth, Emily Cady, and she said that, um, that there were two levels of each person's identity or being. One is the temporal um, ego, which she called the personality, and the other is the eternal, infinite spirit, which she called the individuality. And it is true that the personality is powerless because by her definition, it is a temporary vehicle which gets you through time and space but does not have permanence. Um, the individuality, which is your, some people call it the soul, but in unity we tend to call it the spirit. The spiritual self, the higher self, is not powerless. And so understanding that distinction between your ego and your soul or spirit, your personality and your individuality, your lower self and your higher self, is crucial to understanding what 12-steppers mean by you're powerless. The part that's powerless is that which is on the lower end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So it's that materiality or um, psychological... putting the psychological self and the emotional self as, as a part of materiality. I guess you could debate that. but um, So that that's the part that doesn't ultimately have power, really. Yeah, it's a vehicle that we use to get through space and time. It should not be demonized, but it does not have ultimate power. The only transformative power that any of us have exists in our soul or spirit, the higher self, the individuality. And so to say, I am powerless... If you clearly understand, it's talking about the personality, what some call the ego. It's very accurate, but it's also understanding that there is a power greater than than that personal self. And even in in traditional twelve step, they don't really say that you're separate from God. Uh, mm-hmm. It is seen as the higher power, which brings us back to that original concept we talked about at the at the beginning, which was immanence versus transcendence. God is both within us and beyond us or higher than us. And that higher aspect of God is what pulls us out of the um, muck and mire of the personality ego self. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget once years and years ago, uh, I was talking with someone that had been in 12-step for a long time, and I was wrestling with this concept of a power, of a higher power. And he said it was one of those transformative moments for me when I went, oh, um, when he said, and it doesn't mean that it's better than you in this some kind of a hierarchical sense. He said it means it's bigger than you. And I'm like, oh. And that helped me to click in um, because I was really stuck in business of better than, less than, that type of thing. It was really helpful to me. Yes, it greater than and wider than and broader than and vaster than, yeah, rather than. Um, gooder than. <laughs> right, that's right. Okay, on that note, we're going to have our first break here. My guest is Greg Barrett. We're talking about looking for God. Embrace your humanness. Stay with us. We'll be right back. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now.
You have a coach in your corner, a life coach that is. Like a coach in sports, a life coach can help you set clear goals and develop the confidence and tools you need to achieve them. Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesdays at 3 p.m. for Vibrant Living on Unity Online Radio. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to help make your life more focused, more meaningful, and more vibrant. Do you have a specific issue or topic you'd like to discuss with Coach Carla? Call in toll-free Tuesdays at 3 p.m. during Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. I'm very glad that you're listening here with us today. My guest is Greg Barrett. Greg is a Unity minister. He was ordained in 1980. He has been very active in Unity ministry and in leadership in Unity for all of those years, and even before that, because he was a participant in Unity um, in for his whole life. And he is a published author in Unity and uh, has just done a lot and really practices these Unity principles. And uh, he's sharing with us today about the topic of looking for God, embrace your humanness. Before Greg and I get back to our conversation, I invite you to join me in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, to take a moment as we uh, tune in to that presence of our higher power, to be aware of your breath as it comes in and goes out, and to share with me this constructive idea. I am one with God's love. God's love is within me and all around me. I trust God's love to guide me and strengthen me in all things. I am one with God's love. God's love is both within me and around me. I trust God's love in all people, places, and situations. I trust God's love to strengthen and empower me. And now we take a moment in the quiet. friends for joining me for the Serenity Minute. I trust that it was a good opportunity for you to take just a moment to tune in to that presence and that power that is your higher power. And so now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Greg Barrett. We're talking about looking for God, embrace your humanness. So, Greg, you've got um, a good a story, a good example of how it is that we do need to do the work um, 
with ourselves psychologically, emotionally, as a part of our spiritual growth? What's that experience that you've had? Well, 30 years ago or so, I worked in an environment where my supervisor identified himself um, as an alcoholic but had never gone into recovery. So he was just trying to do it as a spiritual, quote-unquote, discipline alone. And uh, things weren't working out well, and I was approached by people to try to help in that situation. And I, because of my, um, my role as an employee, was not appropriate from a boundary standpoint. But um, I then allowed myself to look into the issues that that engendered in me and begin to work on my own issues um, from a psychological and recovery perspective to uh, deal with what the environment was bringing up in me. And the beauty of it was that um, after I left, this person did go into, even though they hadn't um, been using in years, um, uh, 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 an environment where they were able to get the help that they needed. And um, that, uh, that environment shifted, and the person who was, the people who were there after me had a very different experience, uh, especially in terms of longevity of employment. I was there for two years, and no one had ever lasted a year before. So um, after that, people were able to stay for many, many years because of doing the, this, this individual did the, the recovery psychological work that had been um, avoided for many, many years. So just trying to spiritually fix an issue without going in and doing the psychological and recovery work um, is only a partial solution at best. And ultimately, we have to face those, um, those uncomfortable places within us. Um, 12-step groups are very helpful for that. And um, often, psychotherapy is extremely helpful for this kind of issue. Mm-hmm. What are some of the kinds of things that you're aware of, maybe some from your own experience, maybe some from observing um, other people's experiences as they're dealing with themselves psychologically and emotionally that we do um, need to face? And I'm thinking about things like resentments or whatever. And what are some ways that both emotionally and spiritually that people can face those? Um, I think childhood issues and uh, past issues, patterns that have um, surfaced unconsciously. You know, um, if you look at the psychology of the human being, it's as if we're an iceberg. 10% is above the surface of the water and 90% is beneath the surface. And life itself brings up chunks of these buried subconscious, this buried subconscious material and we have to deal with it in some way. Um, understanding that what we're aware of in this moment is only 10%. Um, th- there are many tools to use. Uh, journaling is very helpful. Um, 12-step meetings are very helpful to help that process along. And again, um, psychotherapy if you really want to do some some very good and deep work. However, there is a a tendency in some spiritual circles to dismiss and um, even have an aversion to psychological um, work and or recovery work because uh, it's seen as somehow less than or unnecessary. You know, the old, all I'll do is just put white light around it and it'll all get better. Um, <laughs> and that only works so far because beneath the surface, of consciousness is the nine-tenths that's subconscious that must be dealt with as evolving souls. We just have to deal with it sooner or later, so we might as well get about the work of doing it now. However, I've seen in churches, um, especially when I first come into a church or I've interviewed for positions over the years, where there would actually be an aversion or hostility to the idea of psychotherapy uh, or, um, or recovery itself. And it's it's interesting because that usually is in an environment that isn't particularly healthy psychologically to begin with. Right. What do you think um, is underlies that tendency that sometimes people in, in spiritual groups have? And it can 
my experience is that it can be of, quote, any, I call them flavors of spiritual groups from what we might consider all the way to traditional to very non-traditional. Um, that I, I see this in, in all across the spectrum. It can be go either way that they are or they are not um, interested in uh, working on the psychological self. But for whatever uh, in the religious uh, spiritual group spectrum we find it, what do you think underlies that reluctance? Um, to deal with the psychological, emotional self? I think uh, a desire for, and here's a uh, long-time recovery slogan or even cliche, looking for an easier, softer way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's at times uncomfortable, and it also requires discipline, practice, and patience to deal with these issues, and it can seem more convenient and comfortable on the short term to not address them, but instead to go to somebody who'll put their hands on you and give you some energy or um, do some kind of you know meditative experience exclusively and not actually deal with the underlying issues. But what really works is to address things from both sides. On one hand, do the spiritual work, the transcendent work, the transformational work where you do bring in the light, but then that light will dislodge that nine-tenths that's beneath the surface of the water of the iceberg of the self. And when that comes up, you've got to face those issues, get out of denial, and deal with them. And that is where a recovery group or uh, and or uh, a psychological um, support such as a, a therapist is crucial. You know, in, in um, the churches I have served, we've had something called uh, an interfaith um, counseling center or a, a counseling center where psych- psychotherapists within the church uh, will see people up to three times for a love offering and because many of the people who come into churches have these unresolved psychological issues and are looking for healing and that is very appropriate but they're looking for healing from perhaps an untrained clergy person who is not equipped to do it, and the people who actually have the training and the background and equipment are there in their congregation and can then offer their services uh, on a uh, love offering basis up to three times in order to begin this process and start to look at the psychological issues. Um, the other cliche that's used is if a minister is trying to do psychotherapy without the training, it's called metaphysical malpractice. And I believe that many people in ministry see themselves as all things to all people instead of understanding that you really need to um, be trained in these things in order to do that work effectively. And I know you do have that training, but I do not. My wife does, and I know a number of people in my church who do, and um, in the churches I've served, we've been able to steer the people with primarily psychological issues to those people who are trained to do that work and still do the spiritual work, uh, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's certainly a, one of those great ways where a person can find address both both aspects of the self. I I think about um, you know when you've been talking about the subconscious and the iceberg and so forth um, that. Charles Fillmore, again, the co-founder of our Unity Movement, uh, in one of his books, I think it's Keep a True Lent, he talks about the three phases of mind and the, the subconscious, the superconscious, or the Christ mind, which is the spiritual aspect, um, and the conscious mind, which I think of what we kind of walk around with in the world. So how do you see those three uh, working together? And And he talked about the need for you know, addressing all of that, that, he saw that all as an aspect of the self. You've talked about that some today. What else would you say about that, about how those work together or how people can work with themselves with those three aspects? Without getting too tricky uh, with the analogy, uh, you know, because you can only push a metaphor so far, let's go back to that iceberg and that which is above the water surface, the one-tenth is the conscious mind. It's what you're aware of. The nine-tenths is that part of the iceberg that's beneath the surface, and that is the subconscious mind. And the ocean all around is the superconsciousness. And as we heal aspects of our subconscious, 
it blends and merges into the ocean of superconsciousness. Now, then in this analogy, what is the sunlight? And that would be higher power. That would be God. That would be that which is constantly working on us to grow and heal and bring up those aspects that are buried beneath the surface. And even to push the analogy a little farther, there, each, if each one of us is an iceberg, what happens when two icebergs come into proximity with each other? Um, they may well dislodge each other's hidden chunks underneath the surface as they rub up against each other. And that is the psycho-spiritual purpose of relationships to help us to bring up unresolved issues within our subconscious minds. And as we do the spiritual work of recovery and healing, we then can witness those chunks of subconscious material, uh, those old patterns, um, blending and merging with the superconsciousness, which is our essential self. That's our essence. Mm-hmm. Going along with that, what's a uh, situation that you've seen or experienced about that, about what, what is it that, What's one thing that might come up in a person in a relationship, and how can they address it uh, in the way that you're talking about? Well, I, you know, I think any of us who are in a relationship, I am married, um, it brings up my denial mechanisms. Um, I think that when I'm having a, a, an argument or having a, a, a point of view that's different, that I may be coming from what I perceive to be true. In other words, I think A, B, and C. But what's really driving me, if I stay with it and I stay present and I look into myself and allow myself to move in through and past the discomfort of disagreement, I may well discover that inside myself there is a pattern that is based upon something in the past that is not even in the room with me right now, something that happened a year ago, something that happened in my childhood. There may be a false belief or the person in front of me may be a stand-in for another relationship. And it allows me and affords me the opportunity to melt another chunk of my spiritual iceberg beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. Good. So, it's like, I know sometimes uh, for me, it's like if I find myself getting too heated in an argument, I know that it has way long ago left behind the uh, issue and I am now somehow psychologically fighting for survival. Would that be an idea that you mean? And and I'm not in the present anymore. I'm I'm off somewhere else. Is that? Yeah, the the part that's fighting for survival is that false identity chunk that has just surfaced from the subconscious. That is, in a sense, and this sounds kind of woo woo, but it is fighting for its identity. It's fighting for its life because it knows it's going to blend and merge and melt <laughs> with the allness of our super consciousness. If, um, if we stay with it. And it's, uh, it's challenging to look at it that way, but Emily Cady, of course, wrote about this and called it chemicalization in Lessons in Truth. It's where there is the light that comes in and then it dislodges that which needs to be healed and it causes some disruption and we have to allow for that disruption in order to work through it and then heal and move into uh, a higher, um, higher um, aspect of our being. Mm-hmm. So what happens, for example, in your relationships when you do become aware of, of whatever it is that you, you say, oh, it's not just about me being right, it's some, something else. What happens? What's the shift when you follow that through and, and uh, do begin to have, it, have more of a spiritualized experience of yourself? How does the relationship get different? Well, what happens first, I think, is we have to work through our issues of shame and embarrassment when we discover that we actually have something going on that we didn't even notice was there. And I think part of the work of recovery and part of the work of the psychological um, healing is to allow for, acknowledge, and embrace those aspects of ourself that may seem to embarrass us or may bring up those feelings of shame. And we go, oh, you know, this is just something that I'm working through. This is not something that, that uh, invalidates me as a person. And if I'll stay with it and work through it, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to enhance who I am. 
Now, when, when I do that, what I get is a more authentic and healed relationship with the other person and also invite them into their more authentic self. All right. Thank you. We're going to, it's time for our break. Hey, that's a great thought. We'll be back to it when we get back. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a moment with Spirit of Recovery. your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else, family, friends, children, bosses, that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your soul wants five things. Your soul will thank you. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Allfree is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet. With your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, my guest is Gregory Barrett. Greg is a unity minister. He's been very involved in unity ministry since 1980 and in lots of leadership in our unity movement and uh, is an author of uh, several CDs and an uh, author in uh, unity publications. And uh, we're talking today about looking for God, embrace your humanness, about that paradox of needing both to face our humanity and our spirituality as we work together, we get healing. So before the break, Greg, uh, you were talking about how um, can be our shame and embarrassment about sort of not knowing. We're kind of 
off doing things we didn't realize we were doing, um, that can be a barrier. Tell us a little bit more about how to get past our own embarrassment about not knowing we're off and running sometimes. How do we deal with that? It's important to have tools and means of getting out of denial. That's why people go to recovery meetings because in that environment, it's harder to stay in denial and much easier to, through listening to the stories of others, their problems as well as their strength and hope, and also to share your own and have it reflected to yourself um, back, not necessarily through uh, unhealthy advice giving, but just through being in a healthy environment and you hear yourself and you go, oh, that's what's going on with me. So I think uh, meetings are very helpful for that. And again, I do think psychotherapy can be helpful. Journaling exercises are fantastic, and there are many that I use. Um, But ways of accessing the subconscious and letting the subconscious speak so you find out what's really going on. And I've been fortunate to learn a number of methods and techniques that I use in, you know, serial order to, to dislodge some of those things and to get real about them. Mm-hmm. Great. So um, what is it that can happen in people and in groups if they do try to, quote, get the spiritual bypass or, or try to, you know, not look at the facts of things? What's, why, why is that not so helpful? Okay, I'm going to really get into something that's going to make people uncomfortable, but this happened to me the first time I really saw it was when I was a music director in like the early 1970s. I was in college, and a woman came to visit the church with her husband, and she claimed to be, you know, she claimed to channel Jesus, and she was a spiritual healer, and she was this, and she was that. And her her spiritual teacher, she went on and on about this great teacher she had and all these wonderful things. Uh, and I remember the name when uh, a couple of years later the Jonestown massacre happened, and it was Jim Jones. So wow. When he was just, her teacher, you mean? Yeah. Uh-huh. And and she was a sincere person, but you you can run after things that, uh, you know, looking for the glitter, not the gold, looking for the sizzle, not the steak, looking for that which has appearance but not substance. Um Doing the psychological and recovery work keeps you real and grounded so that you won't run after, you know, the Heaven's Gate cult or the, or the, or the Jim Jones or, or the, you know, the wacky guru with the 27 Rolls Royces. Um, you know, really keeping yourself healthy. And it also keeps your relationships healthy and grounded and also helps you with your own psychological discernment so that you can, because your, your lens is clearer, you can see what's really going on around you and discern more and more as time goes on what's healthy in your environment and what may not be and what you need to avoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good, <laughs> what an example. I know, you know, in, in Unity we have a concept of the 12 powers and one of them is wisdom and discernment. And Sometimes it's difficult for us in uh, spiritual communities to use that. People get it mixed up and they say, well, I'm being judgmental. And then they'll quote that from the Bible about, you know, judge not that you be not judged. How do you, what's the difference between, quote, judgmentalness and discernment? Well, Jesus said, judge rightly, use right judgment. And right judgment is not based upon appearances. It's based upon intuition. And that means we have to do both the spiritual work to keep our intuitive channel open as well as the psychological work to keep it clean <laughs> so that so it's clear, so the lens is clear. And so I remember when I ran the International Youth of Unity Conference in the late 1970s, there was a kid who was abusing drugs and was breaking every rule in the book. And when I finally had to send him home, and it, it, it took a lot, but it finally came to the point where we had to call the police. I mean, things got so bad. Um, He and his uh, adults involved uh, said that I was judging him. And I said, you know, um, if I am judging, I hope it's right judgment. (laughs) Um, False judgment is judging only by appearances. But I realized on a spiritual level, I was not supporting his growth as a soul by enabling his um, drug-fueled bad behavior. And so there's a point at which you have to um, sometimes take action, and that is 
there are people who in spiritual spiritual cir- circles will say that that's judgmental, but it's actually discernment, which is right judgment based upon an intuitive knowing. And it's really based in what's the best and highest for that person. Because you, you aren't trying to dominate or control another person. What you're trying to do is uh, support their spiritual growth as best you can without uh, de- determining what that is. Mm-hmm. So give us some more examples of that, um, about how do, you, how do you do that. And then it makes me think of the, the topic of boundaries. And we talked about that when you were my guest back in June. Some, um, how does that work? How can, how can we have boundaries? Um, how does being a spiritual person and having boundaries fit together? I mean, we're all spiritual people, but a person that's seeking to develop their spirituality. It's a better way to say it. Well, that's a really good question, and I think the first thing you have to do in a spiritual environment is realize that it's okay to have boundaries. And I don't know if you've experienced it, but I have. In spiritual circles, it's frequently considered not okay to have boundaries, actually to be, again, judgmental, if indeed you do determine, in a boundary sense, um, what is yours to do and what is another person's to do and what the difference might be. Um and not allowing yourself to be manipulated or not manipulating others is having boundaries. Boundaries, however, aren't walls, and that's where I think there's a legitimate criticism. Some people think that they have boundaries, but what they're really doing is creating defenses and walls. Boundaries are like the the wall of a cell. It's permeable, and the good stuff can come in and out, but the stuff that's not helpful is prevented from coming in and out. And so it's um, something that is um, not rigid and fixed, but is uh, fluid and flowing, but still there. Mm-hmm. So, what, how might a person set a boundary, or why? What would what would that be like? Look like to set up one, and why would you do it? Well, I remember being in a committee once, and everybody in the committee was going to go to a certain meeting and then use the funds of that organization to pay for it, and I didn't feel it was ethical. And so um, I bowed out without lecturing other people, and I was called on the carpet for having a problem with oneness. And, um, I, you know, I explained that it wasn't according to my own belief system and my own ethics to do this, and I did it in a very gentle way so that I wasn't shaming them um, because I knew I wasn't going to convince them of anything. Um, and But I had to get very clear within myself that I was – most likely not going to win the day in terms of arguing them into submission and agreeing with me, but simply stating my truth in a relatively non-defensive and uh, non-energized way. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I did that, and I don't think I was necessarily understood, but there are times what you have to do is just Decide what is um, the integrity of your being and um, let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really about uh, self-honesty, I think. How does self-honesty fit in with, with all of this? Well, I think you have to find out what really are your ethics, what, um, what your stance is and, and who you are as a spiritual, growing, evolving soul and knowing what would be correct or incorrect behavior for you. You know, I'm raising uh, a teenager and an almost teenager, and that's the whole issue of the teen years is finding out, well, you know, what am I going to do here and why? And dealing with peer pressure and dealing with groupthink and dealing with um, societal norms and deciding in and of yourself, well, what are my values? What do I believe to be true? But I don't think it stops with the teen years. It continues all the way up till the day that you pass over. We have to determine within ourselves intuitively through our spiritual practices and then keep that channel open through our psychological and recovery practices who and what we are and what we stand for. Mm-hmm. We have just a few minutes left here, really just less than a minute. But briefly, tell us how prayer uh, fits into this. It follows, I think, from what you just said in just a few words. Well, prayer, of course, is communion with God and can't be defined rigidly. So interesting, that's going to be my talk Sunday, so I've really been thinking about it this week. And it isn't so much what you call God or uh, how you call God, but 
that you call God. <laughs> it's, it's, how do you, it's the fact that you commune with the infinite, with God, your higher power, your indwelling power, and you have to define that for yourself in a way that works for you. For some people, prayer is very orthodox, and I don't think that's wrong. Even Emily Cady, in her later chapters of Lessons in Truth, validated seeing God as transcendent higher power and talking to God in a conversational way. Um, but for other people, it would be through the means of affirmations, through visualization, through a silent knowing. All of these things you could term prayer because they are communion with the divine, that indwelling power that's also transcend it and greater all right thank you greg um what a uh, great uh, lots of good wisdom you've shared with us today thank you for uh, so much for reflecting with us so deeply today on embracing our humanness and therefore finding that presence of god truly in the very midst of our lives and to my listeners, so thank you so much for listening with us here today on Spirit of Recovery. Have a wonderful week, and we will be back. So, Greg, again, thank you for joining me, my guest, Greg Barrett. It was a joy. Thank you. All right. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. The base of all life is the infinite wellspring of source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Rev. Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The river she's flowing 
I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.